The Sermon on the Mount. Though it was delivered on the side of a hill one day in Israel, its power, truth, and simplicity have pierced through every century since. His divinely inspired words are not only timeless, they are timely for us. We hope you will join us as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount. All right, today, uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to, to pause Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to do uh, just a standalone sermon, which is kind of something we rarely do, especially that's tethered to uh, an American holiday, because there's a lot of holidays, and they kind of come and go, and so we don't always just pause what we're doing. Uh, but I felt compelled this year uh, to, uh, to walk us through uh, some really good, deep, biblical gospel thanksgiving. Everybody say Thanksgiving. It's here. It, it sneaks up on us every year. Uh, I feel like I'm already in the Thanksgiving spirit because it snowed this morning. Did y'all see all four snowflakes? Uh, I didn't see them. I heard about them. I went out. They were already gone. Uh, my kids were building a very small, tiny snowman with them. Uh, but the season is here. And uh, if you look back, it's, not, it's even pre-American, the holiday where we take some time to think about uh, Thanksgiving. Obviously, it's when the pilgrims came over. And uh, ironically, they were fleeing uh, from... King James uh, in England, who was uh, somewhat spiritually oppressive towards them, uh, who was also the one responsible for putting together the team that gave us the King James version of the Bible, the, the, the translation in 1611. And so they wanted some spiritual freedom uh, to, to worship God, and they uh, got on a boat and uh, came to, uh, to uh, what is now the United States, uh, and uh, they were reflecting and had some time to give thanks. And I don't honestly know uh, all the depths of what they were giving thanks for, if they were really giving thanks to God or just giving thanks to each other uh, or to uh, the Indian tribe there, uh, the Wampanoag. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, uh, but I do know this. History shows that that first Thanksgiving, uh, we don't know if there was turkey, but there's recorded facts that the Wampanoag brought five deer uh, to that first festivity. So if you want to be historically accurate, don't do turkeys, kill five deer, eat them all, and you will be close. Uh, I don't want to talk about the American holiday. I don't want to talk about the pilgrims, but I do want us to look in uh, Luke chapter 7 and, and to look at, at an interaction that Jesus had uh, with a handful of people, 10 to be exact, uh, and the whole story, it seems, uh, look, Luke, um, the, the one who wrote the gospel of Luke, the physician, uh, he, he put this into the Bible. He, he, he researched and heard about the story, and, and for some reason, led by the Holy Spirit, he thought it was beneficial and helpful enough for us to see Jesus's interaction with nine ungrateful and unthankful folks and one man that was grateful and thankful that Luke put this in the book for us. Uh, and some of you are probably well familiar uh, with the story where Jesus heals these 10 lepers. Um, but as I was uh, thinking through this week, I kept asking the question, why did Luke, or, or more importantly, why did God see fit to put this story of thankfulness or gratitude in the scripture? for us, uh, and it seems that, that Luke is trying to convey just very, very simple, two, two simple things. One, that Jesus seems to deeply appreciate thankfulness, and two, he seems to be very uh, frustrated, maybe at best, perhaps angry at, uh, at, at the most intense uh, moments of, of ungratefulness. 
I, I, that's the only two things that I can think of for why Luke put this in the story. But Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 11 through 19, uh, we're going to read about this interaction that Jesus had and try to pull from it and glean from it what the Holy Spirit has designed it for us. So if you're in Luke chapter 17, say Thanksgiving. Oh, goodness. Let's try again. If you're in Luke 17 and you're excited to be here and you have some blessings in your life, some things that God has done, and you're excited to learn about being grateful and thankful, say Thanksgiving. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, so he was coming close to this village, maybe he could see uh, the, the, the buildings on the horizon, maybe he could hear some of the bustling of, of the people that were living inside of the village. As he was entering the village, he was met by ten lepers, uh, who no doubt were on the outskirts of the village. Uh, because I'm sure you know much about leprosy, uh, they were uh, excluded from their family and from the culture and had to retreat, retreat and withdraw and sometimes create their own leper colonies where they um, try to just really exist outside of the city, outside of the culture, outside of their relationships. And you have this group of people um, that have, bodies have been ro physically rotting away uh, with leprosy. They see Jesus coming close to their village. And as he entered, he was met by 10 of them who they stood at a distance. And oftentimes, culturally, they would have to declare if you came walking by, they would say unclean, unclean to let you know um, that they had leprosy and they would uh, keep their distance and uh, so they would be, be shouting and talking to Jesus over some amount of distance. They stood at a distance and they lifted up their voices. Probably means they talked pretty loud. Perhaps they were even shouting because they had something urgent that they wanted to ask Jesus for. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Uh, we don't know uh, all of the details of what they understood about who Jesus was, uh, but they obviously knew enough to hold him in incredibly high regard, uh, to speak to him very respectfully, and to expect uh, very powerful and perhaps even miraculous things from him. Because they shout, they're like, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed, meaning leprosy was gone. As they responded to what Jesus said, they turned around and began to go try to find the priest. They were cleansed. Their bodies were clean. Their uh, health was restored. An absolute miracle took place. Verse 15. And then, how many? And then one. One of them, there was 10, one, 10%, small number, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And we don't know if it was a hundred yards back. We don't know if it was two miles back. We don't know how much distance had taken place from when he heard Jesus give him this invitation to believe him and to go to the priest. He, I mean, it could have been a short distance. It could have been a long distance. But when he realized what happened, nine were no doubt so excited, just kept moving forward. One stopped, turned around, spent his time, spent his energy going back to find Jesus. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face 
at Jesus' feet. I don't have uh, all the time in the world this morning to get into a lot of the intricacies of this story. Um, but as you, we, we talk about this so many times, as you read the Bible, it's so helpful to try to read yourself into the story, uh, to try to see the sights and smell the smells and try to truly experience as far as we can uh, what people in the Bible, especially those who met Jesus, what they experienced. Uh, it had been a long time since this man had no doubt been close with someone uh, even just physically in the same proximity. And when he realizes he's healed, he turns around and he goes to, to the very feet of Jesus. Praising God with a loud voice, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Like the, the terminology that Luke, and Luke is very precise with his language. He's a doctor. He likes accuracy. He likes precision. He's very precise with his language, and he's trying to describe what's taking place. And this one leper was giving thanks. That, that's, the, that's the language of a gift that he's offering. And you could imagine he didn't have anything else to offer. He didn't have any savings account. Uh, he didn't have any gifts. He hadn't prepared for this. He had nothing to give except to give thanks, and that's what he offered to Jesus, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered. He's like, weren't 10 of you cleansed? W weren't there 10 of you here just a moment ago? We're not 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? And you have to read into a little bit. We don't know exactly Jesus' attitude if he was frustrated, angry, or surprised. Uh, but he obviously expected more um, than one to come back and to say thank you. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Why did Luke, via the Holy Spirit include this interaction, a story of this interaction, and what does God intend for us to gather, to glean from this this morning? Uh, a couple things that I think are the reasons God gave this to us, and we want to open this story up uh, today. Number one, as you read through this, and if we're really honest with ourselves, I think this is pretty clear, uh, that it's very easy, maybe even very natural, to be blessed and yet not thankful. Uh, sometimes we kind of maybe join those two things together and think that if we're blessed, we're automatically going to be thankful, uh, but that's just not the case. Uh, that They're not always linked, which means this is somewhat of a spiritual discipline that we need to learn and get in the habit of doing as we're blessed and, and prayers are answered and we're given good things. It's so easy and seems counterintuitive to just kind of forget and move on to the next thing and not be people of, of, of thankfulness or people of gratitude. It's easy to be blessed and yet not thankful. If you're into statistics and we just kind of try to extrapolate some things from this story, 90% of people maybe are blessed and forget to be grateful or thankful, and maybe 10% uh, will turn around to give thanks. I don't know that we can apply it that way, but uh, it sure seems interesting that such a small minority stopped to turn around to say thank you. There was only one leper that turned around to say thank you. And from our position, I think some, sometimes it's maybe easy to, uh, to, to judge the other nine, to think, 
shouldn't you at least stop and say, how many of you, that was your natural reaction? Like, at least say thank you because that's a pretty dramatic change. One moment you had leprosy and you were rotting to death, excluded from people and your friends and family, and Jesus healed you. Good grief. Could you not just go say thank you? What was it that consumed your mind so much that distracted you from that? So it's easy, I think, from our position um, to kind of maybe look down and be so surprised, but if, if we're honest, like how many times have we uh, asked God for a certain thing and prayed a certain thing and haven't even maybe stopped to reflect that he gave us that or he answered that um, because there's always one more thing that we need. I was thinking if I was one of those nine lepers, it's easy to judge them. But if I was them, I would be thinking, man, now I've got to find a job. I haven't had a job in years, maybe decades. Now I have to find a place to live because I get to go back uh, to my society. I wonder if my, like, like that, that, that gratitude was replaced with a whole lot of other, and this long list of, of concerns and, and questions and things that they had. So it's, it's much easier, I think, to be blessed and not thankful, uh, perhaps, than sometimes we believe. It's easy to be blessed and yet not be thankful, and that seems to frustrate Jesus. Number two, Jesus seems frustrated or upset or perhaps angry at ungratefulness. Uh, how many of you have ever done something nice for someone? Anybody? How many of you have ever sacrificed, you've gone out of your way to do something nice for a child, uh, for a friend, for a coworker, for a spouse, and they just kind of moved on and never said thank you? Anyone? Hopefully all of us have done something nice for someone, probably most of us, that's been returned with just kind of like uh, silence. And you know, if you've done that, then that, that something is, it's frustrating. It's not that you did it for the thanks or not that you did it for the gratitude, but when that's not given, there's a, there's a deep element of, of frustration that comes with that. And so Jesus is like, I just, I, I, just, I just healed you of leprosy, and he's frustrated that they didn't come back. It's not that you want the credit. It's just honestly that you want to, that them to acknowledge that something good was either given to or done for them. Uh, parents in the room, like you, you know this really well. Like you, you, you give and give and give, and sometimes kids come back and they don't have a thank you. They have a long list of more things that they need, and so you try to instill on them uh, that this mentality to be to be grateful, to be thankful. Jesus seems very frustrated, and I wonder. Uh, I just wonder the heart of God when He just pours out so many things, so many blessings towards us, and it's so easy for us to forget and not have an attitude of gratitude. How He must feel that uh, perhaps He wants us to recognize and praise and thank him maybe more than we do. Number three, giving thanks should be part of our praise or response to God. This one man, if you look back in the text, uh, one man, when he realized this, he stopped and he turned and it says he praised God with a quote, loud voice, which is the same volume he used when he was asking Jesus to have mercy on them. What do we learn from that? Learned that he he gave thanks with just as loud uh, a voice as he uh, as he prayed. Uh, like his praise and his in his prayers, the, the the intensity matched because like we we pray intensely when we need something. 
you really need, like you have some, uh, just a disaster going on in your life or you desperately want, uh, want God to, to heal your marriage or God to uh, physically heal this person or remove this cancer or, or, or give you a spouse or give you contentment or give you this job. Like a, a lot of times when we have something we need, we're very intense about our prayers. And this man, the intensity of his praise matched the intensity of his prayers. And that is such a, a good and a godly response for us to learn and to cultivate. It says that he, with a loud voice, his praise, as loud as his prayer, he praising God, and it says, gave him thanks like a gift. Uh, and sometimes if God does something for you, gives something good to you, all you have in return to give as a gift is what? Is thanks. And I think sometimes like that, that, that's what pleases the heart of God. That's what pleased Jesus, that this man came and gave as a gift his praise, gave him his thanks. Uh, and I think that for us is a form of worship. Uh, it's a for, worship is not uh, just a moment where we sing. Uh, worship is a holistic life response um, to who God is, to what he's done in our lives. And part of worship, what we were designed you were designed and created by God to worship Him. And one of the key components to that is to have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness that we cultivate over and over and over. Giving thanks should be part of our praise and response to God. Uh, do you know how many times giving thanks as a form of worship is linked in the Bible to singing? Um, a lot. A lot. When we're talking about trying to, trying to cultivate uh, this attitude of worship or thanksgiving, a key component or a key tool that God has given to us just for that end is, is singing and music. Over a hundred times in the Bible, we're commanded to sing. Some of you are like, I don't like singing. That's okay. You don't have to like it. <laughs> Just do it, right? Joyfully. Like there are so many instances in the Bible. And I think, in fact, uh, I'm going to explore this another day, another sermon. But there is something so incredibly important and powerful about singing that it recalibrates our heart in so many ways to be grateful and to be thankful and to give thanks together singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with all thanksgiving to the Lord. Giving thanks should be part of our praise and our response to God. So that's what I think we can kind of glean and learn from this interaction in Luke 17. So, so now I want to back up and use the Bible to really kind of interpret itself or help us to understand some things. Uh, and so I want to let Scripture uh, teach us then how to cultivate a, a heart or an attitude of gratitude, okay? That sounds fancy. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I didn't come up with that phrase. There's probably 10,000 uh, pastors around the globe today that are preaching a sermon that's called the Attitude of Gratitude because it sounds very catchy. Uh, it was like in January of 2022, like almost everybody was preaching these vision sermons like, oh, our vision for this year is going to be 2020. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Attitude of gratitude, because like for, for the Christian Thanksgiving, it's not an, just an annual holiday where once a year we are grateful. Like for the Christian, th this should legitimately be a, a, an attitude that we cultivate over and over and over, trying to create in us a permanent attitude of gratitude or a permanent attitude of thankfulness. So how do we do that? If Jesus is pleased and if God is pleased by people that have an, an attitude of thankfulness, how does the scripture push us towards that or encourage us towards that? Uh, I want to pull the first from Colossians. 
Uh, and you can follow this on the screen in front of you. Um, but giving thanks, it's not an annual holiday, but it really is us striving to have this general attitude of gratitude. Paul tells this, and he says this two different times um, to the church in, Col- in Colossae. I don't know if this is specifically because they had uh, just a bad attitude and were not grateful, or if he was just generically trying to encourage them to make sure that they were thankful people. But he says this, Colossians 2, 6 and 7, he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, which how did we receive Christ? By grace through faith. It was a free gift that we received by faith. Uh, As you received Christ, so walk in him. So how do we walk as Christians? By grace through faith, same way. So walk in him. How do we walk? How do we constantly walk day by day, one foot in front of the other as Christians? He says, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding with thanksgiving. He expected the Christians in Colossae to abound with thanksgiving all the time. And he encourages them towards that. It's the same way that you receive Christ. Walk in him, be rooted, ground up, and make sure that there's just like an attitude of thanksgiving that flows from you. The next chapter, Colossians 3.16, he says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Part of the reason we sing together as a church body, as a church family, is because there's supposed to be a connection for us coming together and singing and that cultivating a continual attitude of thankfulness. I I, I don't know that I can explain all of that, but I believe that God's design was for us to sing and to listen to others sing and that to remind us that we have a long list of things to be thankful for. It's not an annual holiday for us, but striving to have a general attitude all the time of thanksgiving. Number two, give thanks in all circumstances. Right, give thanks in all circumstances. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, which we don't know all of the situations they were in, but some of them were very difficult situations. Uh, and he says this, he says, rejoice always. Always. No matter what's going on, good, bad. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I get the question all the time, like, what is God's will for my life, both generically and specifically? Paul says, like, look on the screen, give thanks in all circumstances, this is the will of God. Part of God's will is for you to give thanks in how many circumstances? I need a, I need a robust answer on this one, okay? How many circumstances? Have you ever noticed that Grateful and ungrateful people are oftentimes in the exact same circumstances. It's not that, oh, grateful people have everything going for them. They have no difficulty. They have no challenge. They have no, that's not the case. Grateful, thankful people are oftentimes in the exact same situation that bitter, ungrateful people are in. A lot of it has to do with what we decide to to focus or fixate on because for all of us, almost every season of life, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. There's going to be easy and there's going to be difficult. Um, There's going to be blessing. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be ugly. There's going to be beautiful. Every season of life has a mixture of both. 
And so Paul says, listen, like, if you're going to have an attitude of gratitude and truly be thankful, then you're going to have to learn to give thanks in all circumstances. And for the Christian that truly believes in the sovereignty of God, that's a, that's a much easier thing because we can give thanks in suffering. Why? Because God will not allow suffering into our lives if it doesn't serve a purpose. Every good, every bad, it all has a purpose, and so we can give thanks. And so, like, what, what you decide to fixate on, if we just fixate on all the bad and all the ugly and all the difficult, over time, you become a very ungrateful and perhaps bitter person. Another person can focus on, which, uh, let me read to you what uh, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, like, there's always both sides of the fence in our life, and Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Fix, focus your mind on what is true, what is noble, what is good, that will help you cultivate gratefulness. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And number three, don't forget your blessings. Let me read Psalm 103, 25 for you. The psalmist says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Don't forget. As easy it is to forget, don't forget all his benefits. And then he lists a few of them. He says, who he forgave all our iniquities. He heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your, your youth uh, is renewed like the eagles. Why, why is it so easy for us sometimes to forget all the blessings that we have, all the things that he has done? Because oftentimes they're replaced with another need, another situation, another prayer request. And so it's a spiritual discipline to not forget. When I was growing up, uh, we sang a hymn, um, Count Your Blessings. Anybody remember that hymn? Uh, we used to sing that, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one, Count Your Blessings, see what God has done. And when you start doing that, you realize, uh, wow, there's a lot more than I realized. And you start thinking through health and relationships and, uh, and things going on that God has answered prison, you start actually trying to list and, and not forget all the benefits, uh, then all of a sudden you have a long list of ways that God has been faithful and gracious, and it just kind of wells up. It's like, I'm, I'm so grateful. I want to read to you um, a, a, a fairly lengthy quote from a man named George Mueller. Uh, George Mueller, which I would highly recommend uh, his biography if you haven't read it. Uh, he was English, so one strike against him, but a uh, Christian English man. And uh, in England, he was uh, really well known for his work uh, to love uh, and to care for orphans. And um, what he did over the course of his life, and you can go back and look at a lot of this, is he kept a very detailed prayer journal uh, where he listed and he prayed very specific, very exact prayers. He would pray, the orphans uh, don't have any food, we need 20 pounds of rice. And then over and over, somebody would show up, unbeknownst to him in his prayers, he would pray them in his heart, somebody would show up and just say, I felt compelled to give you 20 pounds of rice, and so on and so on and so on. And over the length of his life, he kept an unbelievably detailed journal about his prayers. And this is what he said, because I think not only does the psalmist tell us not to forget all of the benefits and the blessings 
but to very purposefully try to remember. George Mueller says this. He says, I have found it a great blessing to treasure up in the memory the answers God graciously gives me in answers to prayer. I've always kept a record to strengthen the memory. I advise the keeping of a little memorandum book. He says, on one side, let's say the left side, put down the petition and the date when you began to offer it and let the opposite page be left blank to put down the answer in each case. And you will soon find how many answers you get. And thus you will be encouraged more and more. Your faith will be strengthened. And especially you will see what a lovely, bountiful, and gracious being God is. Your heart will go out more and more in love to God. And you will say, it is my heavenly Father who has been so kind. I will trust in Him. I will confide in Him through His Son. I think that's probably a powerful way for us to obey Psalm 103, not to forget his benefits, is to try to keep records. Uh, I looked back in a journal a few years ago uh, and had forgotten some of the big things that I had prayed and was reminded, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has provided in a wife and a kid, uh, in our kids, in our, in our church, some specific answers to prayer. Um, some of you know that we prayed so hard for God to uh, heal our son and to uh, really intervene in some of the just uh, incredible seizures that he was having. And I remember looking back like, we prayed specifically for God to intervene. And guess what? He did. And so I, I looked back and I looked in my journal and I was so grateful, I'm so thankful, I could have even forgotten about that. If nine lepers can forget to give thanks to God, we need to cultivate in our hearts a gratefulness and a thankfulness to God. Now, is it a good thing to just generically be a thankful person? Absolutely. Give thanks to your employees, give thanks to your bosses, give thanks to your parents, be thankful for the food that we have, the health that we have, absolutely. Absolutely. Perhaps even more important than that is to cultivate this thankfulness continually to God. Right? But even sometimes we can be thankful to God just for the, the blessings that he's given us, and, and that's not bad. But I think the culmination, like the pinnacle of thankfulness and gratitude for us should be to be thankful to God for God. Right? That, that's different than being thankful to God for the things he's given us. But the pinnacle of the gospel is that we get God himself. You get rescued, not just the, like the gift of forgiveness and that we don't go to hell and that we're, 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 we're released from the, 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 the shackles and the prisons of sin, but like we're, we're, we're brought back in, reconciled into this relationship with God. And so the epitome and the pinnacle of gratefulness and thankfulness is to be grateful to God for who he is and that he has restored us to a relationship with him. That's at the epitome of the gospel. That's the source of where gratitude and thankfulness for, begins for us to be thankful to God. And in the Old Testament, it says, let us give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So I want to encourage you today to think through, stop, take a moment and to think through all of the ways that God has blessed you, all of the prayers that God has answered the health, the job, the finances, the relationships, the friendships that he's given you. And take a moment like this, this one leper did to turn and praise God as loud as his petition was. His praise was just as loud. And thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. For this is the will of God. 
for us to be grateful and thankful people. And we have much to be thankful for. Christ above all. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you. God, I don't say that flippantly, but I truly thank you for all the blessings that you've put in our lives, for all the things that you've done, for the health that we have, for the people that we enjoy. And God, ultimately, I want to say on behalf of this church, thank you for giving us the person of your son. Thank you, God, for restoring our relationship with you. I pray that you might cultivate in each one of us a consistent attitude of thankfulness and an attitude of gratitude. God, in all things, would you teach us to be grateful people? God, and as that may catch the world off guard, I pray that you might give us the opportunity to point people to Christ. Father, in these next few moments, I pray that these songs that we sing would stir up a deep sense of thankfulness to you. And may we sing together with one voice and one heart. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, my name is Casey Davidson. We hope you were challenged and encouraged by the sermon today. We would love to connect with you and answer any questions you have about following Jesus or learning more about Redeemer. If you fill out the form in the link below, one of our pastors will connect with you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you wanna connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.